hi, welcome to another episode of Managing Well. I'm your host, Tanya Ladipo, and I'm so excited today to be in conversation uh, with a good friend and colleague, Elizabeth Byrne. Um, we're talking about relationships at work today, and um, you've seen Elizabeth. Uh, they were a guest on another episode we did for emotional intelligence in the workplace. And Elizabeth and I, you know, we've talked about how um, like relationships are just the foundation of everything. And so when we think about how much time we spend at work and the relationships that we have at work, um, usually we behave in relationships very similarly, whether we're in the workplace or at home. So how we develop friendships, how we um, develop community relationships, how we de develop dating relationships often mirrors what we do in the workplace. And so we wanted to have a fuller conversation of relationships in the workplace and and, and perhaps uh, unpacking some things that we can um, raise more awareness for ourselves. Um, and then maybe, you know, frankly, do better, manage well, manage more effectively in the workplace. So this four-part series uh, is going to start with setting the foundation of healthy relationships. Part two is about conflict that happens. Uh, part three is uh, rupture and repair, because when conflict happens, we come apart. How do we come back together? And then part four is maintenance and growth when we're thinking about relationships over the long time, long haul. Um, so, Elizabeth, I think before um, before I turn it over to us, I just wanted to uh, kind of anchor everybody in and us <laughs> in this conversation because we have known each other for a very long time um we hit a very long time <laughs> we're too young to have known I know. each other for this long <laughs> i remember being in my 20s hearing people in their 40s say that thinking like what come on and now <laughs> this is the case um but we met in our 20s early 20s we were, were both working at a community behavioral mental health agency Mm -hmm. Um, and we were both therapists there. And so one of my memories, one of my earliest memories of you, actually have two <laughs> early memories of you. Uh, the first one is you were new to the team. And so I remember everybody's like, okay, who's this, who's this Elizabeth? Who's this new person? <laughs> right. And like wondering who you were, like, let's invite them to lunch, which was also like, let's suss them out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So I remember that. And I also remember um, actually having lunch with you in my office on the floor uh, with another with another person, another colleague, and just um, just like just sitting cross-legged on the floor eating lunch because there was not enough space for everybody to have a chair mm -hmm. um, and just talking. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of where the beginning of our long journey started for me at least mm -hmm. yeah but definitely curious to hear from you well I mean I I just remember wanting to be your friend and <laughs> um and feeling really welcomed and grateful for sitting in on case consults and getting to hear how um you and the other team members like thought and considered oh. our clients and just the level of intentionality and care I've just felt so good about where I was like it was it was definitely a mm -hmm, this is the right team mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was a 
magical time. Yeah. And just like what you mentioned about, you know, there not being enough seats for lunch. And so that we all sat on the floor, like a move like that is very equalizing and welcoming. And, you know, you would think, you know, the newest person might get the floor, like, especially at that age, you know, it's sort of like that youngest pecking order type of Uh deal. Um, And that wasn't the case. That was like, nope, there's not enough seats. So we're all going to picnic style it. Yes. Yes. You know, and I think um, kind of jumping off from there, as we think about relationships in the workplace, um, especially from a people manager perspective, like the, Mm -hmm. the people manager has the power to set the tone for the whole team mm-hmm. um, in terms of how they bring people onto the team, how they uh, explain the culture of the team and the organization, um, because all that is about how you start building working relationships, which is the end goal is to obviously do the work, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so just curious your thoughts on um like, what do people managers need to be thoughtful of in order to to do that well? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, um, you know, you and I often talk about the importance of knowing yourself and knowing your team. Um, and <clears throat> I've heard you expand that out to also knowing the organization in terms of values so that there can be conversation around, like, how we do things, you know, like, welcome now you're in a new space and this is how things are done here. And these are the things that are expected. These are, this is what's normed, you know, uh-huh. um, like, cause even something like, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking about places where, where it's the norm to have those kind of uh, small meetings in an intimate setting, like someone's office versus other places where, no, we go to the conference room for those conversations. Uh-huh. Yeah, every time, you know, all these sort of little things that people don't realize are part of the culture and need to be explained and shared with people. And when it is, then they know what to expect. And you're not just sitting there having to like figure out, you know, you're you're being given like a legend to the map as opposed to having to create it as you go. You know, when you just said expectations, right, so that people know what to expect. And I think um for managers to be clear about what are, you know, everybody has roles and responsibilities and KPIs, right? Those are clear expectations, but to be clear about the unverbalized, non-verbalized expectations to your, to your point, the expectation of we always go to the conference room (laughs) or we always meet in, in my office, Mm. somebody else's office. And usually those, those instances are not, verbalized yeah it's just kind of assumed right and mm-hmm. so i think part of the the self-awareness that's necessary to have healthy relationships at work is really looking at what are we assuming to be what what we what what do we assume to be considered like fact truth normal standard mm-hmm. as opposed to this is how this company does it right Right. right. The things that like we think, do you mean like the things that we think like everybody does? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm curious, because you said you mentioned earlier when we we're talking, 
like what are some good ways for managers to think through like how to pay attention to what quote unquote everybody does? I mean, I could see that being a great conversation starter or like a icebreaker for a team meeting of just a go around of like name one thing that you think everybody does that we do on our team that we think everybody does. And I think, you know, you could find out like who's of the mindset that emails get responded to within an hour, Mm. you know, or meetings get accepted or declined and not just left empty. And that implies maybe, and I haven't made a decision yet, you know, that kind of stuff and what things are expected or like mandatory versus not. And just all sorts of things, you know, of like, I could think of one being uh, that <laughs> it. I'm just I'm thinking what popped into my head is uh, one of the places where I worked being at the copier, running through the last of the paper, opening a new ream and repacking it. And like someone being shocked that 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 I was doing. And I was like, who else is going to do it? I'm the one that finished it off. And how many times like you come to a place like that and, you know, someone's left it empty and you know that they weren't done because when you put more paper in, then the rest of the project comes through. Yeah. Um, You know, so just things, just figuring out like what it is, because those are the things that somebody coming in, people make judgments about them. Yes. Yes. And they might not even know. Yes. So just to, to, to take that fuller. So if the expectation, if the unspoken expectation is emails are responded to within an hour and a new person comes in and they don't respond to emails until the end of their workday, the judgment from others mm-hmm. could be, they don't care about this. They don't care about this job. They're falling behind. Mm-hmm. They're not very efficient. They're not going to last here. Right. All of these kind of quick automatic thoughts that come to mind that are judgment on this new person simply because they're working in a way that works for them, mm-hmm. but is different than the company culture, but they haven't been told this, right? Right. And so the ripple effect is great. And I think the piece I also wanted to kind of bring in here is when you are, when people are joining organizations who have different backgrounds, whether that is identity, like race, gender, sexuality, or industry experience. So mm-hmm. say you're coming into the tech world from banking, right? Like industry is different. So standards and expectations are different. Mm-hmm. And so when we don't clearly say, this is how we operate here, mm-hmm. it, it does lead to... Um, conflict it leads to disconnect it leads to feeling not connect not belonging um it it leads to a lot of kind of trouble Mm -hmm. that could be avoided yeah um yeah that makes me think about this one place that I I've, I've always worked in healthcare and then I moved into research and a lot of the folks there were in um also in academia and one of my first days, or I think it was the first week I was there, someone was preparing for a conference. And it was explained to me that what one of the expectations if you're going to present is that you present to the whole the whole company um, and handle questions and whatnot. And so sit through the presentation. It seems brilliant to me. 
I have questions that are like more content oriented. And then some of my new colleagues are firing off like really pointed direct. Well, why didn't you do this? Or aren't you aware of so-and-so's paper about X, Y, Z? And like, how have you blah, 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 like just fired, bam, 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 bam. And I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? (laughs) I never want to present a paper. (laughs) And I just sort of mentioned it like afterwards to my new supervisor. I was like, that was intense just to kind of test the waters. And he explained like, oh, no, no, this is how we do it here because we know how brilliant everyone is that is presenting. And we want to make sure that we're setting them up for success, that they've heard every possible question that all of us can come up with in any kind of format so that they are as absolutely prepared for success as possible. And when I heard it in that way, I was like, oh, well, that's lovely. You know, like, and did they know? Did they know to expect that? Which they did, but um, I didn't. So, you know, had that been a piece of conversation, I mean, luckily it was nipped pretty immediately for me. But if we hadn't had that conversation, I would have been left with some discomfort and (laughs) fear about whenever it was my turn to have to do that. you know, when you were talking, I was thinking about, um, I'm a parent, so <laughs> this is top of mind, but I was thinking about how in parenting and in people management, actually, right? I think, um, especially when you've got more seniority than some others in, in your career or organization, um, how some people, their style, their, um, what some people might consider harshness can come from a place of wanting the best from that person. So even in parenting, like I'm on you because I know you can do better or I'm on you because I know what is coming and I want you to develop the skills that you need to handle what is coming. Mm-hmm. And the difference, I think, in explaining that proactively yes, is significant. So whether it is somebody you're supervising or even your own child of saying like, listen, for the next few months, I am going to really kind of be paying attention to this because it's a skill that you need to learn. I'm not saying they don't love it is different than just kind of going in and they're like, why are all of a sudden are you like on me? Um, And so kind of like the care and attention of explaining what you're doing and why you're doing it, Mm -hmm. um, I think can be a really helpful management tool in developing a relationship with the person you're supervising. Yeah. I mean, I think transparency is so key to trust building and connection. Um, and I think a lot of times folks don't do it because there's accountability with transparency. Ooh, say more. Well, if I tell you for the next several months, I'm going to be more attentive about these things because it's a skill you need to develop. And then I get caught up in my own stuff and I don't actually circle back. Now you're sitting there thinking like, I can't actually trust what they say or like, well, I don't have to worry if they say I got to work on X, Y, Z, because they're only going to pay attention if it gets that bad. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, And it's, you know, it's about following through on, on your word, having your behaviors match your your, ver- your words, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which can be hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, because then when we have our next one-on-one, 
And let's say this is an area that <clears throat> you very much want to learn and grow and develop. And you say to me like, hey, listen, like you said you were going to be attentive to this and I haven't gotten any feedback. Now I have to take, a, you know, responsibility and, you know, can I be comfortable saying, you know what, you're right. I've been overwhelmed with these other tasks and this other project that was put on my lap or these changes in the industry that I've had to respond to. And I've dropped not only this promise to you, but probably several others to other people on the team, you know, and, you know, like it's, we're human, but in some workplaces when the culture is more of a, um, gotcha, like Mm -hmm. try to like climb over each other, much more competitive, then it is a lot harder and not as safe to be honest and transparent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. So when we think about like setting the, the foundation, right, it's like how I'm going to lead my team is like so um, embedded in how I'm able to show up just in general, you know, like around emotional awareness and being able to clearly communicate how I'm feeling, what I need, my expectations for myself, strengths and weaknesses, all of those things. Like, I don't know, I was just thinking about how in management, we really set the tone for the team by how we conduct ourselves. You know, are am I asking my team to do things that I'm not doing myself? Mm-hmm. To me, I think one of the hardest things about well, I don't know if I want to say that. There are a lot of hard things about management. I'd let me just say that. There are a lot of hard things about people management. Um, and so one thing is I find that it requires skills and assumptions that haven't necessarily been taught or solidified. Right. So for me as a people manager to be transparent, to be a clear communicator, uh, direct communicator, to check for understanding, to get input and collaboration, to also be responsible for making the final decision, for holding myself accountable, holding the other person accountable. So I just like on my hands, I just have like eight different points that as a people manager is eight of many I'm I'm responsible for, but I wasn't necessarily taught those skills, right? I didn't necessarily learn how to do all of that in childhood. I didn't necessarily learn, well, I learned how to do some of it in schooling because I'm a licensed clinical social worker, right? So, so like I went to school to learn some of that stuff, mm-hmm. but that's not typical, right? And even as I went to school to learn it, I learned it in a, in a different way that I'm applying now. And so I guess the reason I'm pulling all this in is there are these these skill sets that we need to be a successful, effective, compassionate people manager that you get promoted into people management because you do your job well. Mm -hmm. And so there's just this this huge gap that I think people managers are often left to fill on their own. Which I, which I really is why we're doing this four-part series of like, what are the things that we need to do as people managers to fill in the gaps that we're not taught um, mm-hmm. to lead a team 
well. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, um, I feel like I'll talk about emotional intelligence till the day I die. Um, and I think there's so many times that folks are like, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at that though. I, you know, people I'm likable, I'm responsible. I get the things done, you know, like I do. Okay. And like, yeah, you know, most of the time people get promoted into that position, not with the specific people management training they might need, but they have enough natural skill or things that they've yes. developed along the way where they're not a disaster in this. Like, and I think sometimes when we talk about how important emotional intelligence is and self-awareness and stuff, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like we're not saying that it's absent, but like with anything else, it's a skill that can be developed. And so right. like, maybe I've been promoted in and maybe I'm mediocre in that. I might be okay with mediocre, like emotional intelligence. I might want to value other things that I'm doing more. Okay. But then let's not pretend that I'm really great at managing the emotions on my team right. or like, right. Like, so I think about like the, the biggest thing that seems to come up most frequently, I think in my conversations with folks is people not doing what they say they're going to do mm. or presenting themselves in a way that isn't actually how they show up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that erodes trust. And so then folks aren't going to bring things to you necessarily because they don't think you'll actually go follow through with it or it'll become a bigger headache for them and it's easier for them to just deal with it, you know? And so then you think your team is doing great. You think things are going fine, but like you actually just don't get to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then until you find out about it, because then it becomes a disaster or a crisis, right? Right. At some point it's going to blow up. You yeah. Know, someone's going to lose it with the person that's always interrupting everybody, uh -huh. you know, or thinks that or stealing ideas or and presenting mm -hmm. them as their own or not, you know, I mean, like there's again, to your earlier point around relationships are relationships like you, everybody in a workplace can think of like the teammate who's just like the kid in the group project who just rides everybody else's coattails. Yes. <laughs> yes. And also the person who just takes charge and does everything, even though there's other people who have ideas and want to give input and they're not kind of allowed to. Mm -hmm. right? right. And so the only thing that we have control over ever is ourselves and how I want to think about this, how I want to respond to this, how am I showing up around my own emotions, you know, and letting that shift how I engage with other people and then seeing what the ripple effect is. You know, I appreciate that. Something I've been um, talking a lot to my coach about, you know, I, in some areas of emotional intelligence, I'm really, really strong, right? But not everywhere, <laughs> like, you know? And so the being, slowing myself down, that's what I'm trying to say, right? Slowing myself down so that I don't jump to actions that actually could create more problems in the situation. Mm -hmm. And to like slowing myself down to really assess, okay, what's my own reaction to what's mm -hmm. going on? Where is that coming from? Right? Because it's whatever happened in the moment, but then usually it reminds me of something else. Mm -hmm. um, and then how am I going to 
manage it. So for me, I'm a big walker. So I'm always taking walks to help myself, like take breath, slow down, think about it. Um, and then deciding like, what is right? What is the best action with the information I have at this moment in time, mm-hmm. as opposed to just reacting? Mm-hmm. Um, which again, I think in the world we live in, um, that's not encouraged or celebrated. It's celebrated to to respond quickly. Uh, and mm-hmm. sometimes you need time. Yes. And if it's going to go beyond the kind of quote unquote acceptable time frame, sometimes that's saying, I don't have the answer now. This is a serious situation. I need time to think about it. So I'm going to come back to you in two days. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, to your point, we're expected to be reactive instead yes. of responsive. Yes. And it takes sometimes a lot of courage to be responsive, to say, I need a minute. I need some time. I heard your question. I heard your concern. I'm going to come back to you. And as a manager, it's our responsibility to actually give a timeline for that. Yes. Because yes. I've heard plenty of people get practiced at this is important. I want to think about it. And then they never come back to it yep. because the barrage of other important things never stops. Like, Very true. And so there's a lot of that juggling that needs to be managed. Like when you were talking, what I was thinking about is how when we the faster we respond, the more likely we're responding from a place of like anxiety. Yeah. Stress. And fear. Yeah. So it's not necessarily my most calm, thoughtful uh, space, right? Like you're not getting innovation from me because that takes a level of like trust and calm to be able to access. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about like when I'm managing Sometimes things need to be timely. How am I communicating that to the team? You know, to let them know, like, listen, we need to move quickly on this. Like, so am I communicating this in a calm way of here's our timeline? Or am I like, y'all, we got to get this done today. Nobody goes home until blah, 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 blah. You know, like, and just thinking of it as like, a, it just passes like, um, hot potato is what I keep yes. thinking about, you know, like how it just flows downhill, like the the stress and the anxiety. And I don't know if hot potato is even a reference people use anymore, but I was actually wondering. So for those who don't, yeah. it's like, you know, it's a potato, it's hot and you throw it around. And nobody wants to hold on to it. Right. And so I might catch it and then I'm going to throw it as quickly as I can at the next person, you know, and it takes slowing down and thinking to dodge it right like just because someone throws something at you doesn't mean you have to catch it right right or you keep carrying it right but we have to like be aware that we have the choice to begin with yes which also i think is such especially with power dynamics such a, a a thing that like teams deal with like especially and i'm thinking about like when someone joins your team you might have the most beautiful team that everybody feels so safe and secure. But if you have somebody that's joining the team who's coming from a pretty toxic situation, they're suspicious of everything for good reason. 
you know? And so like, how do we let them know that like, oh no, here, if somebody inadvertently throws something your way, we expect you to decide whether or not you want to catch it. Like that's our norm, right? As opposed to like someone who's been conditioned to just take it, you know? And, you know, you want a job or you don't kind of fear-based mentality. You know, when you say that, I think about my own organization um, and something that I've noticed over the years is, you know, we we have an intentional culture. We do not always get it right. <laughs> um, but we have like an intentional culture that we try to stay within. And what I've noticed is it takes people about a year before they can um, unwind or relax, like and lean into the culture. Like, so it takes about a year of people questioning, like, is this real? Like, really? I really could do that. And I'm really not going to get in trouble. It takes people about a year <laughs> to, to adjust, um, which just took me time to realize. I feel like like we say it, we do it. You see, there's not retribution. Like what's like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. uh, and to your point, like coming into new space takes, takes time and consistency for people to see like, oh, what you say is true or what you say is not true. Right. Mm -hmm. um, to be able to kind of become part of the organization. And I think as a manager, the way that you just, you set the tone for that, I think is really mm -hmm. critical. Yeah. You can even name it up front. Yes. Like, we do things differently here. Yes. And usually it takes people about a year to realize that Ooh, this is yeah. actually true. This is really how it's going to be, you know, like acknowledging again, like what do we think that everybody does or everybody should do and being able to call it out like this yeah. is what's different here yeah yeah you know i'm also thinking um for people who might be listening and they don't have any new hires they have you know the team has been together for two years and nobody is coming for another year or two um i'm also thinking about how this is still applicable because we always can revisit the foundation Mm -hmm. You know, we can revisit how we interact with each other, how we uh, elicit and solicit feedback from each other, how we give feedback to each other. Like, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. What's working? What's not working? Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, I think, you know, when I think of relationships in general, beyond work relationships, um, I'm going to bring parenting in here a, a bit again, because with parenting, I think just because children physically grow quickly, you see the passage of time. But in other relationships, like dating or partnerships or friendships, you don't necessarily see the passage of time. Yet, it makes sense that people are growing mm -hmm. and changing and there still needs to be, or not needs to be, but it still could be beneficial to the relationship to like say, hey, the way we started off sitting on the floor chatting, does that still work for us now? Like, so as kind of the manager to check in of like, we've been doing this for a while. This is what I think works really well. This is what I think we might want to tweak. Mm -hmm. How about you? What do you, what, what's everybody thinking? Yeah. I mean, it's like tending to it when you were saying about like, even if it's a 
a strong, like established team, the need to still check the foundation popped into my head is like a house, you Mm. know, like in the beginning, you're checking, you know, like where are the leaks? Where's water coming in? You know, where is their weakness in any kind of way? And then you can get settled and relaxed into like, oh, everything's fine. But it's also still important to be tending to like, how close are things growing to the house, like to the foundation? What's it look like on the outside? Am I keep, you know, like all these little like monthly, yearly, whatever mm-hmm. maintenance things. It's the same for us. Yes. You know? Yeah. Now I appreciate the beginning of this conversation um, to really talk about some of the things that are necessary for healthy relationships at work. Um, And I think I just want to kind of anchor in on the importance of the making the workplace work for everybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. So, and when I say work for everybody, not everybody needs to work every place. Mm-hmm. But once you come through the doors and have decided that organization is for me and the organization decides you like, then how do we make it work for those people? Um, and what as managers we need to pay attention to, like how we're cultivating strong relationships, how we're interfering with strong relationships um, and how we're tending to them over time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to your point that we can, we can have a regular action of a relationship check-in. Yes. That's good all around. Yes. How's this going? How are you feeling supported? Where are the areas you're not feeling supported? You know, what, what works best for you working on this team or in this organization? What works best for you in our relationship, you know, as your manager? What do you want more of or less, or you less. know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the perfect, <laughs> I feel like that's a perfect pause for kind of part one of establishing and setting kind of healthy relationships in the workplace or what is something that people managers can take away and do right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So you could have that conversation with your team. You could do it one-on-one, you could do it as a group, you could do it in an email. Um, but just a quick way to take the temperature, like Elizabeth was saying, to really see what's working and what, what can be adjusted because your response to that will really deepen the relationship at work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Elizabeth. I'm excited uh, to talk with you even further when we talk uh, about conflict Uh, and to all the listeners would love to hear from you, what works for you for setting strong relationships at work what have been some pain points or challenges? We'd love to hear your questions around that. Um, and we would definitely be able to um, bring perhaps Elizabeth, other people, but want to hear from you to be able to respond to what what you need more of. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Managing Well. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to learn more about today's episode, go to thelodipogroup.com slash podcast for a worksheet on today's episode. A special thanks to my podcast team and the Ladipo Group who supports this show. Managing Well is produced and edited by Black Faves Brand Studio. I'm your host, Tanya Ladipo. If you have any questions or topics you want to discuss, email me at managingwellpodcast at thelodipogroup.com. Thank you.